0: What's well, out everyone. Welcome on to Seeds Podcast. I'm really glad you could join me as we're going to be speaking with Alina Siegfried for episode 279. Now, Alina was on the show for episode 143, so this is kind of a catch-up episode on what she's been involved in since she first appeared, and that has been working on a book called A Future Untold, the power of story to transform the world and ourselves. As those of you who listen to the podcast will know, I am a strong believer in the power of story and what it can mean for our lives and for our communities. So we have a great discussion about that, as well as get some insights from her on some of the observations that have come from years of being a storyteller. I think there's something amazing about being able to get a copy of a book that somebody else has written, because you know it's literally months and months and years of their lives that they're offering for people to have a look at. If you enjoy this, then check out some of the other interviews in the back catalog as well. And also, there's a link in the show notes to where you can get a copy of her book. So do make sure that you check that out. Now, let's get straight into this interview with Alina. All right. So it's a real pleasure to welcome Alina Siegfried back to the podcast. Great to have you on the show because since we last spoke, you've actually written a book. So thanks for joining me.
1: Hi, Stephen. Thank you for having me back. Yes, very exciting. I have, uh, I've written a book.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm really interested in finding out a little bit about the history of it. The, the title is A Future Untold, The Power of Story to Transform the World and Ourselves. Um so would you be able to just tell us a little bit about the background in terms of you know when did you first start thinking about putting down your thoughts on paper
1: Sure absolutely you know i've always i've always thought that i might write a book But really, uh, until the last few years, I had no idea what it is that I would have to share with the world and what people would be interested in reading. And so the the genesis really of this book was uh, the New Frontiers Summit um, about three years ago. Yeah, this is the the summit that Edmontonary Fellowship um, was hosting before uh, COVID (laughs) killed the party. I performed a poem on stage there, one of my spoken word pieces, and it was a poem which was a a climate change themed poem, a short summary of of the book Big World, Small Planet by Johan Rockström and Matthias Klum. I performed this poem. Um, Johan was the keynote speaker that year, so it was right before he um, took the stage. And I, I also managed to squeeze into this poem, this climate change poem, a pregnancy announcement um, about the baby that I was uh, going to have. And um, up until that date, only a few people knew. So it was kind of my cheeky way of, of doing that. But after the poem, um, something quite extraordinary happened. I I saw several, several old, older sort of businessmen came up to me, some of them in suits, with tears in their eyes. And... Prior to this, I mean, I've been performing my poetry in bars and museums and and, and generally preaching to the choir a lot of the time. But here I was um you know making these these archetypes of people in our society who have come to represent power and status, these these you know gray-haired older Pakeha gentlemen um with tears in their eyes. And I'm like, wow, I made I made them cry. Um, <laughs> there's something to this this storytelling as a as a medium for um, overcoming you know social barriers and um, getting change messages out there. Um, And I was so, you know, so struck by this, that at the end of that conference, um, I got up on stage and announced to a room of several hundred people that I was going to write a book on storytelling for change and storytelling for impact. And then, you know, I'd made the public commitment. So I had to do it then.
0: That's awesome. So when was that? Was that a couple of years ago, you said, or?
1: I think it was three years ago. Well, yeah, it would have been three years ago because my daughter was born in August 2018. So it was, I think it was April 2018.
0: And I think we were both just involved in the Aotearoa SDG Summit. And Mm. um, we were actually both speaking at the same time, I think. So we couldn't listen to each other's talks. But one of the things that I was sharing about at that summit was about storytelling and the power of stories and how this is how we communicate. Could you just riff off of that? Because I'm thinking that in the book, you know, the power of stories is a central theme. What what is it about stories that is so attractive to us as humans? And why have you written a book about it?
1: Well, story is is often neglected when we think about how we solve complex social and environmental challenges. Uh, But really, at our core, humans, we are a storytelling species. We are much more readily moved by story and narrative than we are by facts and figures. I mean, you know, four decades of climate inaction has shown us that. Uh, we know the science, but we have failed as a global community to be overcome that inertia and actually act. And I think a large reason of that is because we are still telling the wrong stories and our societies are still built upon narratives that are, you know, Outdated in some instances and simply untrue in other instances. So my book addresses the power of 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 storytelling, and and I don't mean just storytelling. As in, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story. Here's a beginning, middle, end story. But um, there's a lot of focus also on um, on how we frame things, um, on on the on the value of um, of speaking to people's values, of narrative as well. And and when I say narrative, I just mean the the assumptions or mental models that we hold that underpin our understanding of the way things are so we each have a narrative about the economy and how the economy works and we have a narrative about how we educate our children and we have a narrative about our relationship with the natural world and that you know even the term natural resources that's a that's a very specific frame that indicates that the gifts of nature are there for us to use. They are resources. And so everything from the language at the micro level through to the narrative and even uh, central guiding myths at the larger, the macro level um, is covered in the book. Um, with lots of my own stories and anecdotes, um, I've got several interviews with, um, with other guests as well. Uh, so I feature them. And of course, there's four of my spoken word poems in there as well with QR codes that link through to um, new newly produced videos of those poems.
0: Yeah it strikes me that story is increasing in importance rather than decreasing and the, the illustration that I think of is just SDGs are on my mind because of that summit you know if you look at SDG number six which is about health and water in particular sanitation and you say I, I think SDG six is really important. That's one way of expressing it. But if instead you say, you know, this is Maria, she's seven years old, every day she walks to a well and draws water, which is full of diseases and infectious, bad things, and takes it back for her family to drink. All of a sudden, that SDG number six has become so personalized. And and, and that's the power of story, I think, isn't it? It communicates in a way that, just pure data or just generic terms just can't do the same.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It speaks, it speaks to our heart over our head. Um, And and that's what is so powerful about it. Um, And finally, funny, you should use that specific SDG example um, because I have, I have a poem in this book and it's, it was sort of the the first poem um, that I wrote that it allowed me to go into this wonderful world of storytelling for change um, is called The Water Poem, and it's all about global water politics and, and so on.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, what we'll do um, definitely in the show notes is we'll put a link so people can find out about the book and they can maybe access and, and view some of these poems as well. I'm just curious then in, if we take it that storytelling is important. I know towards the end of the book, you, you have some thoughts about the future. Would you be able to share some of those or some of your thinking around that?
1: Yes, I can. The final section of the book introduces 10 new myths for humanity. So, I mean, another way of thinking about myth is these these mythic narratives. And when I say myth, I don't mean lies or falsehood or a theory that we believed before we knew better, which is generally what myth has come to mean in our popular culture these days. When I say myth, I mean really back to the core essence of the original sense of the word, which was a, a, an innate human truth wrapped up in story. Um, and so that's that's what I try to introduce in the final section of the book with 10 new myths for humanity. Um, and that they, you know, they are myths such as, you know, moving from me to we, which is a call for a widespread shift from individualism to collectivism, uh, recognizing that we, you know, we are we are a social species. Um, we, you know, we have evolved to cooperate in small groups, um, which is, of course, what, you know, what allowed humans to rise to <laughs> the, the apex species on this planet, I guess you could say. But also, you know, looking at um, redefining our relationship with nature. So, humans, humans are not separate from nature, we are part of nature. Some of the other myths are, um, yeah, redefining, you know, what it, what it means to have a happy and successful life. I guess some of them really take aim at the core of our global economic system and, um, and recognize that a lot of things about modern capitalism are completely broken. And that we can do a lot by reframing our thinking of, um, you know, what, what is the value of, of money? And, um, you know, how do we think about abundance and scarcity and resources? And how are those influenced by economic forces rather than actual real life forces? Because, you know, our economy is, is all based on a story. Everything is based on stories that we tell ourselves. And because we are the ones that wrote those stories, we are the ones who can change them. The,
0: the reality is, I like to think of it is that we are fish in the water, you know, <laughs> and, and we just think that this is the way it's always been. But the reality is, you know, even a simple thing, like for you and I talking today, we would say a company is something that, of course, companies exist. Of course, there's directors, of course, there's shareholders. But a company is a complete fiction. They they don't exist, They we make them up. And if you go back, Absolutely. even a short time, if you go back 250 years, you know, 300 years, it wasn't the way it is today. <laughs> people didn't, people didn't just start companies, there was no startup accelerator programs, you know, and, and we've, we tell ourselves the story that the way that you're an entrepreneur is you set up your startup business and things. But the reality is that's a really recent invention. So therefore, the point is, what could it look like in the future? In a hundred years, when people listen to this podcast, what is it that we, you and I and the people listening could have reimagined so that we move towards a future which isn't focused so much on extraction and you know individual wealth accumulation? It's a it's a great point.
1: Yeah, and you, you've you've hit it exactly there. You know, a company is just a it's just a story we've made up, and I think you you've put out that um, that stuff piece a, a couple of months ago around um, purpose for business, and and maybe that's a story that we could start telling more often is. Is, is the narrative that there must be a purpose to business beyond just making money because, um, you know, that, that dominant narrative um, has brought us to a place where the biosphere is collapsing and, you know, the, the wealth inequality gap is continuing to widen.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, it's fascinating stuff. So if people want to get the book, I know it's out now. So um, we'll put a link in the show Thanks. notes to where people can go to, To cook through but could you just sort of tell us if they're interested I assume they could either get the sort of ebook version or order in another way do you want to just explain that
1: yeah it's available really on all the major major platforms both as an ebook and a paperback Um, I'm hoping that in the future I can also create an audiobook of it Um, the spoken word poetry especially lends itself quite well to something like that but yeah Amazon um, Kindle Kobo all of those usual places. Um, and if in doubt, you can always look to my website, which is just alenastigfried.com. We can put that in the, uh, in the show notes as well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, the audio side of things, just while I think of it, I helped um, with the report. There was five of us who co-wrote it with Akina Foundation. And it's about 90 pages. And my wife and I, because of the podcast, I've got the audio equipment. So we recorded the entire thing. And it's about a two-hour, like, audio version of the report. Um, So it's definitely possible. And next time you're in Christchurch, you're welcome to borrow the equipment that I've got and um, sit in a room and and talk the the audio out.
1: (laughs) Talk the audio out for for many, many hours. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that, that sounds fun.
0: Well, thanks so much for your time. And probably one last thing is that there's probably ways people can support you in terms of if they get the book. It probably helps if people leave reviews Within, you know, things like Amazon or other places, if they tweet about it, if they post on it on Facebook, put something on LinkedIn, like just a reminder that people put in so much effort to creating new, you know, books or other art forms like this. And I think we could all do well to get behind and support them by reaching out to our networks and letting them know about this new tool and resource that's out there.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, Stephen. Thank you. I mean, for myself, I've spent um, the past year um, full time on this book, and doing very little little paid work. So um, I'm I'm relying on it to go wide. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, even even if it changes. You know a dozen people's minds then then I can call that a massive success. Um, but obviously I'd like to uh, I'd like to get this into the hands and these messages into the hands of a lot more people around the world. So reviews on Amazon um, are particularly helpful or reviews on any online platform um, sharing the links and sharing the poetry videos too because that's that's good fun stuff that people enjoy watching. So, yeah, thank you so much
0: for coming on the show again. And we'll put a link into your life story as well, because we did share on Seeds we did. now, we did, yeah, you yes. know, more than a year ago. But yeah, thanks so much for your time. Um, I really admire people who are willing to devote themselves to a creative endeavor. And creating a book is an awesome achievement. So well done. And we'll. Um, I'm sure people will be giving you feedback. And that's always satisfying when people have actually had a chance to look and then you know reflect back to you so thanks so much for coming on the show i really appreciate it
1: thanks steven it was great to chat with you again
0: well i do hope you enjoyed that interview make sure you check out the links in the show notes to be able to see this book that alina has crafted and wherever you are whatever you're doing keep telling good stories we need more and more of them not less and less until next time